Josh Fergus is a high school education teacher. Josh and I actually reconnected as a result of the Rites of Passage Institute. Um, he is a Rite of Passage uh, facilitator with Dr. Anna Rubenstein. So we go really deep around building resilience and how our upbringing can have an impact on the kind of man or woman we end up becoming as we grow up. Um, are our parents challenging us in supportive ways uh, to be the best version of us? and to take risks. Um, enjoy, Ferg is an absolute legend, a real salt of the earth. Oh, thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. It's great to have you on board, mate. So what we like doing to get these things started off is uh, get you to share a quote, a favourite quote of yours. Okay, um, I'd, I'd say this quote is uh, relative to assertive and clear com communication. Um, and it is the quote is things are conspicuous in their absence so do you use that with your boys no i i've i have used quotes here and there but it's not something i i, I go to often so um I, I just can't remember quotes off the top of my head so i'm reading off a, a word file right now <laughs> <laughs> so where, where, where do you kind of do you bring that much up much or do you, where do you come across that quote I, I do a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of self-work for, um, and I'm very interested in wisdom and philosophy and uh, anything I find interesting. If there's a quote, uh, I, I tend to just save it and, and put it in a personal folder as a bit of an inspirational folder. And rather than um, naming things, I feel like if I, I directly name something as in a quote or an issue or a problem, sometimes it... Um, it's, it becomes too obvious and it's, that's not the solution itself. I feel like the solution is creating space and, and listening. Um, so if it's with a teenager or a partner or a colleague or a child, um, creating a space and then um, identifying the most useful tool in that particular time to use for the, for the healing, for the joy um, and the gift that, that is necessary in the moment. Oh, I love that. So yeah. uh, that's very relevant to a lot of the work you do in the education system up in Port Macquarie. Do you mind sharing a bit of like the work you do up there? Yeah, so for the past year or so, I've had a, a really unique and interesting role, uh, which I'm, I'm now permanent up here in Port Macquarie at one of the high schools supporting Indigenous boys. Um, and my role is sort of a mentor or an uncle figure, um, helping get the boys to school through school and then we support them getting work ready so that once they finish school um, they're employable and uh, and they're supported ongoing after that so it's really something that they'll be supported uh, for life but my role is to um, you know help them get to training in the morning and um, if they can't get to school for any particular reason i'll go and pick them up and um, make sure that where the, you know I'm a positive mentor in their life where they might not have that um, otherwise. So yeah, right. And some of these uh, these are generally they're young boys. From yeah, yeah, the boys that uh, I'm helping support are high school, so they're year seven through to twelve, and they're based locally here in Port Macquarie. And yeah, cool. Yeah, and so. Lovely bunch of kids, and there's about 55 or so that, that I'm involved in supporting. 
Now, how's that kind of gone, that transition to like, because this is like a full-time employment, yeah, and you're living outside of your own old town, other side of the country. How's that transition gone for you? Oh, man, it's such a trip. I Honestly, I wake up every, every now and again just thinking, well, like, I, I hadn't even heard of Port Macquarie, you know, a, a bit over a year ago. And so this opportunity came up and I just just grabbed it because I, I, I'm, you know, in my past life, I was a, a musician. So I was playing a lot of music and, and teaching music and everything. So I lived and breathed music and I was snowboarding over in Japan and busted my fingers. So music was out and I was looking for other options. Luckily, I had um, that teaching qualification and then this opportunity came up and, and I was like, Port Macquarie, where's that? And it happened to be surrounded by great surf on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. And I was mm. like, I'll put my hand up and, and um, jumped in the ring for it and it's just been the best move up here. Such a good, good way of life, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do you feel that, um, you know, with that um, transition, is it been a bit of a uh, bit challenging? Because like, as a muso, you've got a fair bit of freedom, flexibility. You're travelling around, meeting cool people who you, you know a lot of you get along with a lot. But then also, I remember hearing some epic stories around your Japan, uh, Japanese tours for their winter, just like getting set up, epic slope passes all the time. You know, it's quite comfy, hey. And then that transition, did it kind of come as a bit of a slap in the face, or you know, as part of your rite of passage? It's your next phase of life. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, I feel like I've almost changed identity. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a huge shift. Uh, my, my life as a musician was very unstable in terms of um, finances and, and security, but I was always okay with that. I, I had faith that, um, you, know, I'd, you know, leap in the net would appear and, if I, if I didn't have a gig coming up or I didn't have um, income, I'd be able to find it with the skills that I had somehow. But I was always living week to week or gig to gig. Um, and so in a way, it was sort of that, um, uh, I guess, my lifestyle was very come and go and things will happen as they do. And it, it wasn't structured. And it you know at times it got really it was at times it was amazing like going overseas and playing with bands or going snowboarding and you know living the life of the party being around the social scene all the time just having the best time ever and then other times uh, you're out of work you know you're living on the bones trying to get uh, enough money for rent and food and stuff like that and um i guess there came a point where I started getting a little bit older, you know, friends around me, married, having kids, and I'm still following the party a bit. And I was like, well, fuck, I've got to, I've got to kind of ground down at some point and really um, figure out what I'm going to be doing for the, you know, the later years of my life as well and, and actually think about that. What if I settle down and have a partner and want to get married and have kids? Like, I can't do that if I'm a travelling musician. <laughs> no way. Well, that's the way I thought anyway. And um. So this transition now, I'm, um, I'm in a, I'm currently in a four, four bedroom house um, alone up in Port Macquarie. Uh, my girlfriend's down in Sydney self-isolating um, during this sort of coronavirus pandemic. So I'm up here on my own. Um, just got a, a regular income, working full time, um, surrounded by professional educators. And um, I get my ha- haircut way more often. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> a good indicator that, isn't it? But you know what? Even though even though I'm working full time, I probably surf more than I was the whole time I was playing music. Um, I was surfing maybe one or two times a week. Now that I'm working full time, I'm surfing at least four times a week. It's, yeah, right. Yeah, it, I, you know, it, I tend to do more when I'm busier. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a right, great right. transition. Definitely rite of passage, though. So that's a nice uh, segue into the rite of passage work. That's kind of where we got really reconnected in that space. So tell us around your experience with the rite of passage in that process. Yeah, so um, I became really interested in the rite of passage work um, after reading about Anna Rubinstein's work in. Um, in the Dumbo Feather magazine. I'm a huge fan of Dumbo Feather magazine. And I read about it. I'd actually seen him speak, I think maybe at a conscious, uh, conscious club um, meetup in, near Bondi um, a couple of years back. So it had been on my radar for a while and the opportunity came up to do a level one course for rites of passage facilitation work. Um, and that, that course was a couple of years ago now. And the first one was life changing. And then next, then uh, a year later, I signed up to do the level two course and just deepened um, the understanding and the, and the tools ready, ready to, um, ready to, to use them, I guess. Doing those courses, did you feel um, that ritual theater, um, the kind of consciousness there, you were able to make that transition of your skills in, in musical um, theatre with the guitar and song to actually that could be useful in the education space. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's funny you say that because in the first um, the, the level one course, while doing the rites of passage facilitation training, I just realised that all of my passions and all of my skills tied in to this work. So my teaching um, passion and and I was teaching in a um, a Rudolf Steiner school and and sort of training up as a music teacher uh, in the alternative Rudolf Steiner schooling system. And then I have my music. Um, I've done men's work and, and some meditation in the past and yoga. I love permaculture. Um, and, yeah, I guess all of those skills um, piled into one. I'm getting really interested in storytelling as well. Um, with the music, though, the music can be really useful with rites of passage work in enrolling participants um, by, if you can imagine walking into a, um, a space, a designated space, say for example, a yoga studio where you walk in and there's um, dim lighting and there's nice smells, there's beautiful music, everything's soft and gentle and slow moving. Once you walk in there, you, you feel differently. And, if someone is sharing a message and um, an open... Sorry, we lost a little bit of footage here. It's more likely that, uh, that the participants are going to be able to open up into that what we call liminal space and, and really share from a place of authenticity where they feel held and safe and connected and trusted to um, go into that really sensitive um, inner in a place of themselves which they may not have shared before and that's where the work is so once you open up into that liminal space 
and connect. Um, there's a vulnerability which, which occurs within participants. And uh, I, I don't want to use the word fear, but that sense of um, that change that the change that has to happen has to come through a challenge, a real challenge, which can be daunting and it can be um, scary and, and it can make you anxious leading up to it. But um, on the other side of that is the most um, amazing growth and you move into a different stage of, of your life. And, and, you know, I guess the analogy is a um, caterpillar bursting um, out of the cocoon, becoming the butterfly. Um, and yeah, so talking about the liminal space, going back to the music and the tools that I have, I feel like I've got so many incredible tools through this, this bizarre journey of life that I've had so far that they all seem to tie into this work in a really, um, a really nice way. Yeah, epic. I love that. And I think um, understanding that, you know, these journeys that uh, we all go through our own rite of passage in different times, different phases, different experiences. Um, for yourself, what's kind of, someone asked me today, actually, um, you know, what was your you know, most significant rite of passage in your life today? And I was like, oh, it kind of got me a little bit my, on my back foot and it got me thinking a bit. Do you have, um, you know, a bit of a rite of passage you feel like you'd like to share that you've kind of experienced? Um, I think the biggest challenge for me personally, and this is, this is getting pretty deep, but um, is my relationship with my father and navigating um, how that relationship plays out and the communication and what role we're playing in that in the conversation each time um, i think shifting from the father as the the authoritative parent and the child as you know the one that sort of um remains in that that feeling of being a child and answering to a parent but not really growing into that um that even adult communication yeah. Um, that can happen for a lot of people all throughout their life and they're, and they're still the child in relation to their parents. With my father, um, I've had a really tough time um, being able to communicate with, with him to a point where we both connect on an adult level. Um, mm. And, you know, it's ongoing, but I feel like the, the rite of passage, the, all the work that I've done through the... Um, the rites of passage stuff has allowed me to really ground down and have that confidence in, in myself to actually step up and, and be an adult talking to another adult. And, um, and, and with my dad, it's, um, it's really difficult. And I'm sure so many men out there have, um, have a hard time communicating with their fathers, but um, that's definitely be, been the biggest one for me is um, I, I wouldn't say I've overcome it, but I have definitely um, strengthened in my identity and who I am as an adult man and making, making my decisions and, um, and not, not being the child in that relationship, um, standing up for who I am, what I want in life and, um, yeah, and, and really respecting, have, having compassion for who he is, uh, but also 
realizing that, hey, even though he's my dad, he's that doesn't make him right yeah. um, all the time. And and that's that's a big one is to um, to challenge your parents and um, I think challenge them, but but not be in a battle all the time. Mm. Just have have the words and the communication tools to um, have your boundaries and be seen as a, as an adult. And if that's not happening, um, you know, not, not slipping back into the, the child adult relationship that you had in the past. So that's, that's a big yeah, one. Man, I love that one. And I think we've connected about this, uh, the same thing in the past. And, you know, I think it's a very common um, thing for a lot of father son relationships and, you know, and father daughter um, relationships and that's what really actually drew me to this work the writer passage work as well because I couldn't really put a nail on the head of what the challenges were and then for me and then understanding this role between um, adult child behavior and the, the how challenging it can be for the parent um, to let go of the parent-child relationship where it is quite a power yeah. Um, because, you know, they naturally, there is a power play where they are there to care, um, protect uh, for you. Um, but then that does come when you become a man or a woman, an adult, um, that that relationship for you to truly grow up and be the adult you're meant to be, that needs to be surrendered and ends up being more of a peer, mutual, respecting relationship um, bound through uh, genuine, you know, friendship as opposed to that power play. And identifying that for myself as well was a, was a big right passage for myself, yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that, man. <laughs> no worries. I, I actually want to bring up a, um, every now and again I, I ask my best mates some, some pretty strange questions and, and I was asking an old friend of mine, I said, what, um, you know, he, he's in a pretty high corporate position um, and he's, he leads a team of probably you know fifty or sixty people underneath him, of all ages. And um, and I asked him, I said, yeah, when did you sort of have that confidence in yourself? What was it that um, that you when you had you know what was it that enabled you to feel um, yeah I guess confident and able to to manage other people and and have that um inner strength i guess yeah and and he said he remembers being um on a yacht with his whole family when he was really young he was probably about five or six years old and he's something on the they were out off the queensland coast and there'd been a big storm had hit they'd, they'd weathered the storm but something at the top of the mast had broken and uh, he was very young and his, his dad said, all right, Tom, you're going to have to, um, I'm going to set up this, this seat with, a, with the pulleys and I'm going to um, send you up the mast and you're going to fix it right at the top of the mast. And it's, that's a long way up. And as a five or six-year-old kid, you would be freaking. And, and um, he said, my dad just, just trusted me and he challenged me. And even if I failed, he would, he would just say, all right, well, we're going to do it better. We're going to do it properly next time. So when he was that young, off the coast, living with his family on a boat, he was sent up the mast and he was trusted and he was challenged and his dad was standing there letting him do it. You know, it was a big risk and he was, he was able to do it. 
and he came down and and I think he did that you know he, he managed to fix that thing at the top of the mast his next challenge that his dad gave him was he had to tie this this dinghy up off the back of the boat and his dad had showed him this knot and he said okay Tom it's your turn so you tie it up this time so you know he went went to the back tied up this boat and um and then came back and sure enough they turn around and the, and the dinghy's floating off and he just remembers his dad you know sternly talking to him he said you didn't do it right you know and he was standing there he said that but that's okay we're going to get it we'll get the dinghy back and you'll do it again and then we'll keep going and and i just when he said that to me i i said well i just thought my dad never ever challenged me i was you know um and that's something i feel like i was i was lacking i was always looking for something a bit more risky a bit more challenging something where i was seen and heard and trusted from the father figure or the parent figure um, and i've noticed that some of my most successful friends in terms of their professional roles whether managers ceos whatever it is they did have that from their parents it was it was a common theme that they were challenged and seen and heard and trusted from a very young age with risky you know risky things like that like can you imagine sending a five-year-old up a master boat like that's hectic that's five-year-old five or six yeah <laughs> that's hardcore hey? but he, it would have been liminal that's why he remembers it huh yeah and but i reckon when something like that happens it's you break through you break through um through a layer and that's what a rite of passage is you're breaking through a layer and you'll never be the same again but you've grown into um you've grown into more of yourself you know what i mean leaning in stepping up making your step up the life journey the ladder yeah. of life i love that man i think that's a real cool way for people who aren't familiar with the work to understand that a rite of passage can come in so many different ways um Anna just I think this afternoon actually has a parenting in the COVID times yarn today tonight well, I'm not sure if you're going to tune in on that but um but I think we might jump into this next thing which you know we've been chatting about a bit which is the I yarn yarn and I think what you're, a lot of you're saying is around creating you know these spaces for connection and spaces for people to feel safe and I think that's where we you know and I've been so appreciative of your willingness to you know play around with ion trial it test it use it for yourself use it with peers and things like that so i'd love for you to kind of share what your experience has been like using ion over the last you know you know it's been a few months now yeah i i absolutely love it and i've been um, like you said i've been going through this trial phase of it so i've set up probably you know six or seven different ion wheels and um I've been I've been trying them out myself a fair bit, and I love it because the the potential of um, opening up to um, having conversations that you'd normally have to go and you know organise a men's group and um, and create that space in person. This is something that um, you can connect with. Oh, let's let's start again. Sorry. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, 
let's have a talk about the iron. Um, I think it's, you know, you've been using it for, for a little bit now um, with a few of the young people in the school, but also yourself personally. What's it been like over the last few months? Yeah, I've been loving it. Um, I think it's the, the best well-being tool. Um, I've, I've made about six or seven different iron wheels and I've been trying them out with um, kids at school uh, that I work with, colleagues, friends. Um, I've sent it to family and, and um, just been, you know, I posted something the other day on social media as well with one that I've created about um, boosting your immune system in this time of coronavirus and doing a little self-challenge. So checking in each day with an eye yarn wheel to, to see if you're, you know, <laughs> getting the right sleep, Get spending time away from the screens, um, you know, getting the right nutrition, vitamins, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I just find it really useful because if you're in a sharing space and someone doesn't have the capacity to, or the words to communicate what they're feeling um, with you, and or they don't want to talk, there might not be a time, a day where they've got the energy to have the conversation. They can get onto iyan and you can you can see how they're going and there might be something that's really low and it raises awareness to you okay you know so and so is uh you know they're having a hard time with their family at the moment you know it's really low that's one out of ten that something's going on so at some point during the next few days i want to check in with that person and and just let them know that um, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to create time for them to um, have that conversation if they want to, or if they don't want to have it, is there any way that I can help out? So it's something that can raise awareness. It's, it's a tool that um, can open up that conversation and bring things to the surface that are normally held down. And uh, yeah, I just think that in this day and age with everyone's got their phone, a screen in front of their face for most of the day, it's like, you know we've turned into um yeah we've turned into robots a little bit but um everyone's got a, a screen in front of their face the phone is easily accessible and this is a tool which um it's great because it's interactive it relates directly to them but it also connects them to other people and um I just love the user-friendly way and how easy it is. It can take 30 seconds to do it, but it can, it can, it might save lives basically. Yeah. Right. Have you found that it's um, opened up, you know, a few of these conversations you don't think you usually would have if you didn't do it? Yeah. Well, um, with someone that I shared it with just testing, testing it out, um, I noticed from their eye yarn wheel that they were getting very little sleep and they were spending a lot of time on um, computers and computer games and um, their nutritional value was pretty low. So are you looking at it now? Do you mind showing us the screen? Are you I'm looking not, at it? No, I'm doing oh. a little, a, a little sketch on paper. Draw, oh. draw it out. Um, but with that one, I recognized straight away, um, that there was an issue and I was able to sit down and have a conversation with them and say, okay, how can we improve your sleep and what time are you putting your phone down before sleep? So, you know, before you go to bed so that you're actually getting proper rest. Um, are your screens just, okay, there you are. Yeah. Um, yeah and um, it, it, 
what time you're eating your food. You know, is it too many? Is it too many hours after dark? Because you know, if you're eating too late, your, your body's going to be digesting. You're not going to be rested properly. Um, so I was able to have that conversation and um, gently check in and um, recommend that it, you know those behaviours shift in in that particular area. And then throughout the next week, I just kept checking in and um, just just to make sure. Mm. And is this so you feel this is almost, um, I guess, one of the things is, uh, that I find the importance of it, it's getting permission from the other person to offer that advice um, or is it the role is it as a friend, is it kind of just bringing it to awareness? Um, you know, because is it different how you have an eye on yarn with the kids you work with as opposed to like buddies? Uh, yes. So, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, um, with nonviolent communication, but, um, yes, it's very common in men's group, um, circles about speaking from the eye. Uh, so first person and in terms of, um, advice, not giving advice unless you have asked permission first. So for, for this particular person, I said, do you mind if I, uh, you know, do you mind if you, A, if you, you can do this iron wheel and check it out? And then when those things came up, I said, look, I've noticed a couple of things. Um, would it be okay if we had a chat about them? So it is sensitivity around how it's delivered. It's obviously um, personal information. And um, even with mates, I'd probably do, I'd definitely do the same thing because um, mates can be pretty closed off when it comes to, um, you know, especially blokes that aren't familiar with um, men's work or, you know, self-developmental kind of space. Your typical Aussie male doesn't want to go too deep into talking about personal issues. So if there was something that came up, um, I'd say, hey, you know, we sit down and just have a chat for a minute. I've noticed something and um, just want to see if it's okay to talk about it. And then if it comes up and if that space is opened, then it might just be something that helps them shift into a healthier, balanced way of, um, way of living, I guess. Nice. And you, so moving forward um, with Iron, how do you feel like this is, can kind of help you be a better mate, family member and things like that? Are you looking at maybe integrating this in different ways, areas of your life outside of like, no work and COVID immunity booster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 immunity booster is was um, just something I noticed I could do in this, you know, this current you know week and and everything that's going on and just a little challenge, self challenge that I could share with others if if they wanted to do it. Um, in terms of connecting with um, friends, students, colleagues, um, yeah, parents, family. I feel like it's, you know, once people are, are familiar with it and they've tried it out at least once or twice, they, they get it. It's really easy to understand and it's something that you can say, hey, here's a link. Can you just, um, can you, just fit, you know, do your, your eye yarn wheel? You know, it might be a random time. It might be once every couple of weeks and just to check in with family or your colleagues. And um, you might notice something that's, um, that's a little bit abnormal for them 
or you might notice that they're going really well and you can celebrate that too. So it's not just looking for the, for the negatives. Um, it's, it's kind of just being there for all of it, but using it as a tool to, um, to, to just be there in general. Um, I think it's highly useful and it's, yeah, because it's so interactive and because it's right there on your phone and you're always on your phone anyway, why not? You know? That's it. Happy days. <laughs> so um, what's, what's looking for you, like with school and everything moving forward? Um, school's still on? You haven't been shut down yet? We have, um, with the boys that I work with, there's about five left out of 55 that are still coming to school and that's, right. uh, they, yeah, unfortunately that they don't have um, another option at the moment. They have to come to school. But within this, the whole school, there's probably about 750 students and there's maybe, well, less, less, than, less than 40, probably just over 30 um, that are coming to school at the moment. Oh, wow. So teachers yeah. are rocking up and playing with their fingers a bit. Yeah, so um, at the moment, teachers are using the time to set up all the online uh, classes. All so oh, right, sorry. Classes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the teachers are, are still doing every class. Um, they're still facilitating every class and, and teaching, but they're doing it online. So all the kids are at home and they've still got to log on and do their classes. Oh, but, great. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, they can opt in or opt out doing yeah. it in school. Yeah, and um, okay. they, the kids can't really get away with not doing it because the, the teachers can see if they're, they're active or not. Um, uh, cool. Okay, they, cool. Yeah, but... You know, it's, it's it's a really bizarre time. I think we're up, we're going to we're going to see some unprecedented um, times in the next next few months, and uh, I think there's a, a collective anxiety that is being shared around the world, um, and I, I think that's um, I, you know it's it's a, an opportunity for us to you know, with all, all the self-work that we've done to be there for support for others that may not have, have gone into those, um, those emotional spaces within ourselves before. If we can be of service during this time, then I think that's, you know, one of the best things to, to offer to kids and to, you know, other staff or colleagues or friends or family. Um, we, can be the, we can be their rock through this, this time. But yeah. Um, yeah, fists up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I think it's a good, nice spot to, to finish off with. And so a lot of people out there, I think, will listen into this would, um, some do know your music, some don't. So where can people follow you? Oh, look, to be honest, um, <laughs> I, I don't put too much stuff out there online. I love writing music and I love doing it at home and, and putting stuff out there every now and again. I've got my own little, you know, Instagram, um, personal Instagram. It's just Joshua.Fergus. Um, and How I put, original. Yeah, it's so original. <laughs> but, yeah, you can find me writing songs for kids on there or personal songs or whatever, but I just love music. It's a great way to connect, great way to share. And, um, yeah, but thanks for sharing the Iron Wheel, man. I'm stoked, to, um, stoked that we've reconnected. Gang, can I just say before we finish, uh, I used to babysit you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, hey? Crazy. <laughs> Davies so, Road days. 
so yeah, so Lucky and I grew up on the same street, and um, I'm a few years older than him. And um, I used to uh, get a call up from his parents to come and look and um, babysit every now and again. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. Small but, world. I don't even remember. <laughs> no, no, you would, but uh, it, it's awesome. You, you obviously didn't put me under too much. I'm just saying, you obviously didn't put me into too much danger. I don't remember. Didn't go liminal. Hey, no, I was, I was trusting you, you know. I was challenging you. I was putting you at risk. I was, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, ho- hopefully you had some, some, you know, two hours of input into the great bloke you've become. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. All right, well, all the best up there, man. And uh, I look forward to staying connected. We'll have this up live soon. Legend. Wow. There you have it, Josh Ferg sharing his story. Uh, with the rite of passage and the work he does in the education system. Um, his contact details will be in the show notes. Uh, but please, if you like this podcast, please share it. Friends, family, people in the education system and, you know, this crucial work, rite of passage work. It's important to get the messages out there, both if you're an educator, but even a parent, family, friend, someone. I'm sure there's people who'd appreciate this yarn. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to reconnecting and having a yarn again soon.